So Money Episode 179, Matt Becker. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Many of you have been asking me to give more and more and more advice about parenting, financially preparing for a family. And so I... Uh, this said, okay, we're you got it. I brought on a great guest today, Matt Becker. He is the founder of Mom and Dad Money. Perfect name, right? I mean, you ask, you receive. Back in 2011, uh, when he and his wife found out they were expecting their first child, they have two now, but when they were expecting their first kid, he began to feel like I think a lot of expecting parents um, just really nervous about making the right financial decisions for his family. And by the way, he's a certified financial planner. So if he's having concerns, where does that leave the rest of us? Uh, he wasn't sure how much to save for college. He wasn't sure about life insurance. And you know how much do diapers really cost? How much uh, can you really save by breastfeeding versus formula? Uh, what kind of a savings account should you have for the kid in the first year? Now, fast forward two years and into 2013, Matt took that experience raising now two little boys and his financial background as a CFP, and he started Mom and Dad Money. It's a fee-only financial planning practice that's dedicated to helping new parents build happy families by making money simple. He also has written a new book called The New Parent's Guide to Financial Independence. We're going to learn about that, as well as the biggest financial issues he personally tackled when becoming a parent. Interesting ways to save on childcare costs. I know that's a huge line item, so I asked him specifically for tips around that and how single income households can limit their financial risk. So Matt is the primary breadwinner in his family. His wife stays home. So naturally, I was curious, how does he kind of create a security blanket? So I was curious naturally to learn how their family manages a little bit of that inherent fragility that comes with having just one income. And so without further ado, here is Matt Becker. Matt Becker, welcome to So Money. A pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Furnish. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, of course. Congratulations, first of all, on your new book, The New Parent's Guide to Financial Independence. This book was something that was born out of uh, a personal story of yours. So I'd love if you would start us off there, share kind of your personal journey to creating this new guide for parents. And I'm a new parent, so I'm taking notes. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah, no, really, it did. Like you said, it came from my personal experience as as a new parent. You know, my wife and I, uh, a few years back, found out we were pregnant with, with our first child. And, you know, there was all the kind of fun and excitement and hugs and phone calls and all of that stuff. And, and, and you know, it was really fun. And then me being kind of the money nerd that I am, I immediately started thinking about the financial side of things and what we needed to what we needed to do to prepare. And to be honest, even with my financial background, it was pretty overwhelming. And it was just, you know, it was my first time 
personally making all of these decisions. And I felt a lot of new pressure to get them right, to make the right ones for my family. And I just didn't feel all that confident in my ability to do it. So I went out in search of help. And, and I really couldn't find what I was looking for. You know, there just wasn't a lot of kind of detailed, uh, really good step-by-step guidance for someone in my position trying to you know, navigate all these new financial responsibilities that come with starting a family. And so I really felt like I was on my own to figure all of it out. And, and that was really frustrating. So, you know, eventually we, you know, we made it through. I mean, I'm here today. We had another child. So Congrats. the first one didn't scare us off too much. <laughs> um, but what I eventually realized is that I could kind of combine that personal experience with my financial background to really try to be the resource that that I had wanted to find. And so that's really my mission is to to take this transition that was, you know, difficult and stressful for me and make it easier for other new parents. I'm curious, what was the one or the few things that frustrated you most about financial planning as a as an expectant parent? Uh, What what were the biggest questions you had that were going unanswered? So one was, um, you know, just kind of trying to get a handle on on costs and what was kind of a realistic expectation. We were also switching to a single income. And so there was kind of this dual pressure of increased expenses and decreased income and just trying to get a handle on, on what might be realistic to expect there. And then, you know, some of the more technical things like, you know, I knew we needed to get life insurance and, and disability insurance and those things. Um, and, and life insurance in particular was one that stuck with me because I knew we needed it, but I, I really couldn't find anything that that would give me kind of a, a really good overview of like exactly how much I needed and what the right coverage was. There were a lot of kind of rules of thumb. There were a lot of generic calculators, but nothing that kind of led me through the process and gave me a kind of a detailed, personalized view on it. So it was really that kind of step-by-step thing that would that would help me feel like I was making a good personal decision as opposed to just following kind of generic rules of thumb out there. So I have to ask you, because I think a lot of our listeners at some point dealt with this or will be dealing with this. And and for me, I know it's the biggest line item on my parent budget. It's cost of uh, childcare. Mm -hmm. So what would you say are some unknown, maybe some lesser known ways to save in in those areas? Uh, Whereas some people think, you know, I either have to quit my job and take care of my kid, or I have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars a year on outsourced childcare. Is there a happy medium yeah, I mean, the reality is that it, it, it can be a huge line item. And in some cases, there are some ways around it. And in some cases, it's it's just one of the realities of life. One of one of the things that I would say is that, you know, as um, as you know, technology is getting better. There are more and more opportunities to maybe try and negotiate some some work from home arrangements that may may be helpful in terms of, you know, maybe you can skip a day of of daycare or something like that. Um, That's one possibility. There are other, you know, kind of non-traditional daycare settings where, um, you know, people will set it up in in their home. Um, That could be an option. Um, You could even, you know, work with friends to kind of swap days or something like that. So, um, and, and the other thing I would say is that what you really want is, you know, you want a place where the people are paying attention to your child or taking care of, of him or her, but 
you know, you definitely, you don't always need the most expensive facility. And so take a look around, make sure you, you know, know what your options are in your area and um, don't feel a lot of pressure to, you know, get the best, most expensive daycare or, you know, preschool when you get there, um, you know, that's available to you. Right. Flashy isn't always uh, financially sound. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I guess in your book, we're going to learn more about the realistic cost of becoming a parent, uh, life insurance. That's a biggie. Hopefully how to save on childcare. Um, how can we get the book? Sure. So this book, I, uh, this book, the new parents guide to financial independence that I just released is really focused on, um, on actually helping you first of all define like what kind of life you're trying to build, what kind of life you want for you and your family, you know, what your big kind of long-term and, and short and medium-term goals are, and then helping you save and invest your money smartly to get there. So it doesn't cover all of these topics. I do have another book, The New Family Financial Roadmap, that does dive into some more of those. So for the for the New Parents Guide to Financial Independence, you can get it on my site, uh, momanddadmoney.com slash FI guide. Um, you can you can pick it up there, and uh, and uh, and then the new parent financial roadmap. If you're interested in learning about you know uh, life insurance, budgeting, uh, those kinds of things, uh, that's on the site momanddadmoney.com. Uh, right on the homepage, there's a big button that says "Get the Roadmap." You can pick it up there. So now, Matt, in addition to being a, an expert on all things money and parents and raising kids. You're also a certified financial planner. You're an online blogger. You're a dad. What would you say is your number one financial philosophy? Good question. It's really, I believe that you want to, you start with what you want out of life. You know, what are your big personal goals? What what does kind of a happy, fulfilling, meaningful life look like to you? You start from there and then you, you approach the money side from, you know, how do I use the financial opportunities available to me to make that life happen? Um, because, you know, we can all make the quote unquote right financial decisions, but if there's no kind of higher purpose in mind, then, then honestly it can, it can be empty. So really start it from the life you're trying to build and try to use your money purposefully to, to make that life a reality. How did you get to be so smart? Did you have an upbringing (laughs) that was, that was very, um, nurturing, I guess, in, in terms of making sure that little Matt was financially prepared or just financially aware as a kid? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Um, and, uh, I, I was, yeah, I was definitely lucky. I mean, my parents are great, uh, very loving. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of financial concerns growing up. I mean, I certainly wasn't given everything I ever wanted, but we weren't, you know, I wasn't worried about it. It wasn't something I, I stressed out about. So, um, I think one of the things that my parents did well was letting us, you know, giving us guidance, but also letting us make our own decisions and learning from some of the consequences there. And it didn't always lead to all the best decisions, but it did kind of give us a little autonomy and kind of learn learn how to take responsibility for our actions. And I think that's something that's that's really important as you become an adult and you are out on your own to to kind of have experience with that and know what that's like. Can you give us a really specific example? What's one vivid money memory that you recall growing up that really shaped the way that you think about money today as an adult that goes back to your philosophy? Mm-hmm. Ah, really good question. I'd say that um, this isn't so much when I was young, but it was, you know, probably around 20. I remember my mom talking about um, a trip we had taken to Disney World uh, when I was 10 and my, my I have younger brothers, so they were all younger than me. But uh, And she was 
you know, it was it was one of those things. So my dad had had a business conference down there, and that's how it started. And he was just going to go down by himself. And basically, she convinced my dad to that we should take the whole family and go as a whole family. And it was something that for them was a was a financial stretch at the time. Um, and I think he's kind of the, the quote unquote responsible one and he was a little worried about it, but, uh, they did it, they made, they, you know, made it work and it really became one of our, it's one of our cherished memories as a family. And, and I always take that lesson as I think that you need to have a good balance between being responsible and saving for the future, which are great, good things, but also learning how to use your money to, to create great experiences and to create happy memories and actually, again, enjoy yourself along the way because in the end, that's really what it's all about. And how old are your kids now? They're young still, right? Yes, they're three and one. So they're not yet of the age where you're sitting down with them and you know telling them what compound interest is or <laughs> anything like that. But what, what are your plans in, in trying to raise you know, good financial stewards? Yeah, and a great question. My and my, my wife actually just you know, we get new library books every week, and she brought one home about what you know earning and spending and saving money, um, which I thought was pretty funny. So, uh, you know, I'd really what I'd really like to do is um, give them a chance to to have money, you know, and to make their own decisions with it. Again, kind of going back to what I was talking about before, where you know, give some guidance. Here are your options. You can spend it on you know toys now or whatever, or you could save it and you know and get something you know, maybe a little bigger later, or you can you can give it and and all of those things and give them some guidance, give them some options, and then and really let them make decisions for themselves, and then help them work through. You know the follow-up. Well, what were the consequences there? How did that go? Did you like it? You know, what maybe what would you maybe do differently next time? Being really giving them hands-on experience, letting them make their own decisions, and and letting them learn that way. That's so important. I think uh, just seeing the aftermath and understanding consequences is so key. And I actually think I was talking to Ron Lieber on the podcast. I think it was Ron Lieber. Or it might have been another parenting, money and parenting expert. Y'all sound the same after a while. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the advice is so good, all of you. You know, I think um, one of the things that I think I will do with Evan once he is, well, he's turning one next week. So he's not there yet either. But I think letting them make mistakes, like purposely setting up a system where inherently there will be mistakes and failures with money, but within kind of a protected environment. You know, we're not handing them a credit card, but we're maybe giving them a, a small budget and we we are in having them decide what to do with it. If say this is your this is your closing budget for the school year. Right. Go. Right. And it, yeah, and it should, they're going to be some wins and they're going to be some big losses, but he's going to have to deal with those consequences. Right. And, and, and I love what you said there about, you know, I mean, mistakes are OK, right? But everyone makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. So like teaching them to be OK with mistakes and to use them as as learning experiences as opposed to thinking they're a failure is great. And and one of the things I'd like to do is is give my kids some some opportunities to t- to take loans from us, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where there isn't, you know, when they're young and there's no credit report or anything to worry about, but they can learn what debt is like and how it affects them at, it, at an earlier age and at a point where it's not, you know, affecting their future, but they can, they can figure out the consequences, excuse me, figure out the consequences and, and hopefully help them make better choices later on. Well, speaking of failure, because we're a fan of failure here on So Money, I'd love my guests 
Uh, I love when my guests share a financial failure. So if you wouldn't mind, what would you say was one of your biggest money failures? What was a lesson learned? And uh, and yeah, just start there. And then maybe I'll ask you a couple follow-up questions. But basically, what was your biggest money mess up? Sure. What happened? What'd you learn? Yeah. Um, you know, the one that always sticks out in my mind was my senior year of college and I just ran out of money and I literally Did you have nothing. an allowance from your folks or, you know, I, I worked, I, I didn't do, I, I worked in the summers. Um, I worked at a summer camp actually. And then I did some work working for my school's annual fund, you know, calling for donations. So, um, I did work. I just, you know, I, college kid and wasn't thinking too much about it and just ran out of money. And um, I still wanted to spend money. So I had, I had to call my dad and ask for some help. And, you know, we talked about it and, and, and it was, he ended up giving me a loan, um, you know, just me and him. And it was, uh, I was embarrassed at the time. And, and I would say I, I really wanted to avoid that later on. Although I will say that when I finally got out, you know, out of school and was out on my own, it really almost happened again. And that was kind of my wake up call. I was like, all right, I don't want this to happen again. So that was when I first got into the idea of budgeting and, and, you know, learning how to do that and realizing that I had limited resources and I needed to figure out how to manage them if I wanted to avoid running into that same situation again. Wow. So was there an interest rate? No, he didn't. He didn't charge me anything. Oh, he's, he was, he was a he's good a bank. Softie. Yeah, he's yeah. A softie. <laughs> the bank of mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So failure. Let's talk success. Let's flip it. Your proudest moment to date, uh, financially speaking. Uh, I'd say it was realizing that we, my wife and I, had enough in savings that I could take the the leap I made into entrepreneurship and start this business that I'm running now. Um, that was really cool. It was, you know, we realized that it was a big change. I was the primary income earner for our family. Uh, we were about to have our second child. And um, so on the surface, it sounded pretty risky, but we had enough in, in savings actually outside of retirement accounts to last us for um, at least a year, even if I didn't make any money. And knowing that was knowing that that savings allowed me to kind of pursue this thing that uh, I had wanted to do for a while and, and, and I really cared about was, was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So yeah, I was going to ask you about how much, but you pretty much answered that. So a year, that's, that's confident building, confidence building. Yeah. And it was one of the, it, it, it you know, I, I'm, I, I mentioned my dad being the quote unquote responsible one. I kind of fall in the same boat. I tend to be very conservative, but it was really my wife when we had been talking about whether or not to do this for a long time. And finally, she just said, you know, we have all this savings. If it's not for this, then what's it for? And right. um, and that was really cool. That was kind of the push, the final push I needed. Um, and it's also something that stuck with me as I, you know, am working with clients and, and trying to help other people, you know, reach their own goals. And how long did it actually take for you to start making money as an entrepreneur? Did it take the whole year? Oh yeah. I mean, it's still, it? you know, oh. it's still, it's still built no, not to make, I mean, I, it, it took, I started making money within, you know, a few months and, and it's kind of grown over time, but it's definitely a, a slow build in terms of getting to the point where, you know, you're actually supporting your family and all of that. So, um, it's not really on or off. It was kind of, it's kind of, it's a slow, you know, it's mm -hmm. gradual build. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we, this is, that's huge. I have to give you a virtual high five for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's talk about a so money ritual. 
this is a habit that you perform. It can be daily. It could be less frequent, but it's conscious and it's definitely instrumental in helping you achieve financial greatness. What is it? Um, sure. I'm, I'm guessing it's a pretty common one, but uh, once a week I have a process of kind of checking in on on our spending and and savings and and basically basically tracking things you know track I use mint.com and and you know common tool and um, just that kind of regular schedule and then um, you know talking with Casey and my wife about it and and just kind of seeing where things are going not necessarily making any changes just c- constantly having that awareness of what's happening um, gives me the information I need to make kind of whatever decisions I end up wanting to make. So that's been, that regular habit has been uh, huge for me. For listeners on the show who are also in a one income household, not as a single parent, but where you have two people, one, one, one primary breadwinner, what would be your biggest financial advice since you're living it? And I, I, you know, I, this makes me nervous to be honest, you know, one income that, uh, you know, inherently can be very fragile. Uh, mm-hmm. cause if you, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so it's not like someone can come up to you and say you're fired. You can't fire, you could fire yourself, but I don't see that happening. Right. What would be your biggest tip for some couples that are living on one income by choice? Sure. So, I mean, the first part of it is, and this is true no matter how many incomes you have, is just keep the lines of communication open and make sure that you're working together towards the same goals and that you have whatever system in place works for you that kind of keeps you guys on the same page financially. Um, for Specifically for single income households, I'd really say to um, uh, – you know, your buffer, your emergency fund is probably more important than if you only, if you had two incomes simply because like you said, you know, something could go wrong and if you lost that one income, now you have, now you have nothing instead of, uh, or at least for some period of time. So I'd say, you know, there's always this kind of rule of thumb of three to six months uh, worth of expenses in an emergency fund. And I'd say that for single income households, you'd want to try to build it up towards the higher end of that. Gotcha. Yeah, I almost would say, you know, we typically say you should have six to nine months of a rainy day. A year would be great if you're a single income household. Probably you, you want to increase that as by twofold if you can. Right. Yeah. I mean, the more, the better. But, you know, start with start with what you can, but try to build that buffer up so that you, you know, have yourself protected for sure. Great. Thanks for sharing that with us. All right, Matt, we are almost wrapped here. And before we go, we got to we gotta do the so money fill in the blanks. Can't leave sure. without that. So if you're game, I'm going to start, okay? Just finish the sentence, first thing that comes to mind. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, 100 million bucks, the first thing I would do is? <laughs> um, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to take like a big family trip somewhere, you know, exotic or international. I mean, we do traveling to see my family. My family's up in Boston. I'm in Florida. But taking kind of even like a multi-generational trip to, I don't even know where, but somewhere outside of the country, somewhere new and exciting would be a lot of fun. I, yeah, I think you should build that into your financial plan, you know, especially when the kids get older right now, I don't know, flying. I I just flew back from California with my almost one year old and I think I pretty much am done for a while. (laughs) You're tapped out. Yeah. The traveling can be tough, but yeah. yeah. Uh, The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is. 
Uh, I'd say travel again, um, but we do. I'm, I, again, like I said, I live in Florida. My my parents, my family is up in Boston, Massachusetts, New York, and so we travel to see them. Um, and uh, and we used to live in Massachusetts, and we would travel down to Florida to see my wife's family. So we're in Massachusetts. Um, excuse me. Where in Massachusetts? I was born in Worcester, so I Worcester. Oh, cool, Worcester. Yeah, I was born in and grew up in Wayland. Okay. And uh, I was living in Dorchester until just about a year. A little Dorchester. You don't have a Massachusetts accent at all. I do not. Yeah, I escaped that one. <laughs> I kind of did too. I think I, um, growing up with immigrant parents, I, I pretty much had like no accent because I had the broken English at home. I had the accent at school and then I had the multilingualism. So it just, it right. never incorporated that. Yeah. I, I kept they all the, just melded. Into I, the, I kept the, the R's in my yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so... I got to ask you then, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Um, it doesn't hmm, have I, to be guilty. People hate that word. <laughs> Just be a pleasure. You, sure. So I'm I'm a big football fan and um, I'm a big New England Patriots All fan. All right. I'm going to go over with a lot of people, but hopefully with you. That's good. Yes. So, um, so again, being here in Florida, a lot of the games aren't on local uh, TV. So I end up going to, you know, a sports bar and, and watching there. And, uh, unfortunately they don't let you just sit there and order water. So I do end up spending, uh, <laughs> spending while I'm there and it's a few hours. So those bills can, you can't just uh, sip water or is that just, you're just, is there's pressure? You got to drink the beer. I don't know. I, I, I guess they probably wouldn't kick me out, but, um, at least order food or something. I don't know. I feel they're, I'm there. I'm using their, right. their services. I might as well order something. Yes, so. exactly. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up, this is a good one for you, is? Yeah, uh, probably um, a little more. I, I wish I had learned a little bit more about entrepreneurship and just had some you know, taken more chances, had a little bit more, more exposure to, you know, even just the idea of trying to sell something and, and, or start like a lemon, I mean, lemonade stand, whatever, not huge, but, but that kind that side of things. Cause that's something that, um, uh, as a, at, at now I think is a huge opportunity for, for a lot of people and, uh, and it's for myself in particular. And I wish I had learned a little bit more about that growing up. Did your parents, uh, have like the traditional jobs where they worked for a company or nine to five? Yeah, they were more more traditional. Yeah, yeah. My mom so, stayed home for for most of my childhood, and and yeah. So I yeah I, I me too. I think that's in uh, that comes with the territory. If you're growing up in a household where there are no entrepreneurs, uh, I know when we would hear about friends who would quit their jobs to start like a consulting business, it was like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. Right, he's crazy. <laughs> he's selling right. the house. He's selling the farm. You know. Um, and so we kind of grew up with a kind of skepticism towards entrepreneurship, whereas I think, you know, it would have been nice to at least been raised to appreciate it. Um, maybe I would have become an entrepreneur sooner. Right. And even if you don't, you know, kind of jump into full-fledged entrepreneurship, having that kind of mentality, I think, can help you in any job. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Being entrepreneurial at work. It's, you know, people don't think you can, but you certainly can. Right. Right now, I never ask any of my guests this question because I threw it out after I made the packet, but now I'm going to throw it back in just to throw you off. Sure. Um, I don't know if you have your wallet with you, but if you could open up your wallet, tell me how much you've got in it. I don't have my wallet. <laughs> I, I have, I carry I, basically no cash. The only, the only time I have cash is usually when I, you know, my, if my Nana gives me like a birthday present. And uh, I have to I use, I have to go deposit it at the bank. So I would guess I have less than twenty dollars in there. But are you I, uh, are you a points guy? 
I am. I am. Yeah, I've gotten into that over the past year. It's been it's been a lot. Well, yeah, of fun. now that you're shopping on Amazon probably every week uh, with kids. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, Amazon Prime is, is mm-hmm. a When I donate money, I like to give to blank because So the summer camp I went to as a kid and that I worked at as a counselor, uh, Camp Beckett out in the Berkshires, actually, so not too far from where you grew up. Um, It it was hugely uh, impactful for me, and I've, you know, seen it mean a lot to a lot of kids who come from um, not, you know, not quite as privileged backgrounds. So I like to donate there and, and give it, you know, to the fund that helps helps pay for kids to get there who couldn't afford it otherwise. Terrific. And... Got to ask you this. I'm Matt Becker and I'm so money because <laughs> uh, I'm so money because I'm doing what I love. You know, the work I do every day, it's it's what I want to do. It's what I've dreamt of doing for for a while. And, uh, you know, even if I won the lottery, like yes, before I'd still be doing this, you know, tomorrow. So I love and, it. Yeah. And maybe just taking a few extra fun trips with the family. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. Congrats on your new book. Uh, the New Parents Guide to Financial Independence. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Great. Thank you, Farnish. You too. That's a wrap. Thank you so much to my guest, Matt Becker. If you'd like to learn more about him, his website is momanddadmoney.com. He's also on Twitter at momanddadmoney. All this information, as well as transcripts and comments, available at somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and ask me one of your biggest money questions. It could be a career question. It could be a question about kids, life, guests. I'm all ears. And every weekend, I turn the tables and answer your questions turn this show to you. And by the way, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute one-on-one with me over Skype, head over to iTunes and leave a review for this show. Every Saturday at the top of the show, I select one new reviewer to receive a free 15-minute money blitz with me. So if you're interested in that, I uh, would love it. Thank you in advance. And thank you so much for tuning in. Hope your day is so money. Money.